Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Today, Sircon is my co-host, and that's wonderful. He's filling in because we had a little bit of change and and alter uh, a little bit of change in our personnel. But Sircon, welcome to the program as our co-host. Uh, thank you, Dr. Fall, for having me. So uh, Daniel and Chris are both out of town this week. So uh, it's an honor and a privilege to do this show with you again. Uh, I know you have an ad to do before we begin, though. Sircon's been our technician for a long time, and he does it by himself, and he does a great job. But today, we came up a little bit short on personnel, and he was delighted to fill in, and we're glad to have him. But I do want to start off with, uh, you, you know, talking a little bit about what's happening in the markets. Uh, you know, gold has been up and down as usual. I've been watching gold prices since the 1970s, and they've been up and down ever since. But there was one thing that dawned on me in 1971 when Bretton Woods broke down. That meant there'd be no more guarantee of uh, the ratio of gold to gold to the dollar, which meant, you know, literally that, that that was the early stages in admission that we were on a course of bankruptcy. To me, that meant that in dollar terms, gold was going to go up. And I was exactly right on that, as a lot of other people were right, because gold continued to go up. You know, it went from $35 an ounce up to $800, down to $270, up to $1,800. And then a few years ago in 2016, it was at $1,000. And that is when I think the current upswing uh, got in place. And I believe that it's steady. Uh, there's no way to know and measure and say bull markets and bear markets. But I think it, more broadly than that, that when you have no definition of the money and you have license to spend, uh, this is exactly what happened. And it is true. So the people who explain economically what would happen were correct. And the best explanation that the Austrian school has given us about investments is you may know the trends and you may know what's going to happen, but you don't know when because it, it, it depends on the action of millions and millions of people and that human action is subjective and not predictable by some uh, formula like the Keynesians believe. So we're, we're, we're delighted that today we're going to continue in this because that's one of the reasons I talk about gold a lot on this program because I think it's so important because it gives license to runaway welfare warfare spending. And just in the recent debates that accomplished not, not, nothing over the deficit increase, they really didn't talk about, uh, you, you know, the Federal Reserve monetizing debt, which was the real problem that we have. So that, that, that has been, been going on. For, for a long time and, uh, and, and one of the reasons why I have uh, partnered with uh, Birch Gold Group because they talk about gold and they talk about investments in a different way than I do. Uh, I look at it strategically and philosophically and trends. But uh, they they have a they have a gold company, and they are offering some free information if you're inclined to get some, and it's easy to get. And and what all you do is you text Ron. 989898 and there will be somebody there that will see to it that you can get some information it will be free and it will be dealing with with the significance of gold that is if you desire to have this you text ron 989898
Very good. And uh, today uh, we're going to follow up now with our program, our regular program, with, uh, with Sircon. And Sircon uh, is uh, our technician, but he's also, he's also uh, our co-host today. And Chris, I'm Chris, see, I got my names mixed up already. And Sircon, what we're going to do today, I understand that you have planned, is that you have a program we call Ask Ron Paul. The audience participates. Sircon sent out an invitation for questions and got him. And he has several questions that, we, that he will read to me and I will do my best to give you a good answer for them. Sircon. Absolutely, sir. And here we go with the first question. Uh, it comes from Daniel Bradley, and he asks, uh, times have been tough before the 30s depression, 70s inflation with the current level of corruption in D.C. Is there a way to prosper as a nation again, or are we too far past the tipping point this time? And going the way, all great nations of the past. Well, you know, there are t obviously very tough times and difficult. We've never had them exactly like this before, but in general, they have been there. The business cycle uh, was referred to as the trade cycle for a long time. We know we have ups and downs, but it's the Austrian School of Economics that has generally given the best explanation <clears throat> of why these cycles occur. And they occur because of central bank interference and manipulation of interest rates causes people to do things they otherwise wouldn't do. Instead of depending on market rates of interest and savings, they depend on manipulation of uh, the, the interest rates and, uh, and regulating the economy, which causes a lot of investors to do wrong things. And basically, you create the bubble that deserves a correction. This one is worse than ever. We had them bad for the long time, longest time. And <clears throat> even though the Depression was bad and times of war has been bad, I think uh, what we're facing today is different and worse in the sense that the structural of our, of our economy and our social structure is different than ever before. And I think it's more threatening uh, <clears throat> because, uh, because it is so overwhelming. It's, it's dominated by it. To me, sometimes it's surprising that it struggles and gets by. But, that, you know, even in 1933, when, when Roosevelt took in the gold, I thought, well, that, that had to be a real threat to the system. But we went 42 years and we weren't even allowed to own gold and we survived it all. And then, and then came, came along this, uh, you know, Bretton Woods in 1945. And they say, well, we can fix it up. People, Americans don't deserve their own gold, but we'll let the foreign governments own it. So they, that gave us the license to become the, the uh, reserve currency issuer of the reserve currency of the world. So we could spend it overseas like crazy. And so we got to export our inflation. And that lasted for a while until everybody knew we were printing too much money and taking advantage of it and exposing and expanding our welfare warfare state in excesses. And people knew that it had to stop. So in 1971, that stopped. And this was all reflected in the price of gold up and down. And uh, sorting it out has not ever been easy. Sometimes the gold price seems to be abnormally low for 
a, an unusual length of time, and other times it seems like, boy, there's too much act. But that's the way markets work. Right now, I think that we've just, uh, you know, gold has been up to 2000 before in the last couple of years. It sort of has trouble getting over that. But I think we've been in an upward movement with gold since 2016, and it's been up to 2000 It's relatively close to 2000 and that is going to, uh, uh, to, to continue. But uh, we always get by on this, and we'll get by this time. But as I said, it's, uh, it's dangerous because we have a change in morality, a change in our justice system, a change in our political system. The, uh, the empire is, uh, 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 is a very powerful part of our society now. So I think even though we had bad times with the Depression and World Wars, uh, I think the I think the fundamentals are different, and therefore I expect that things will get a lot worse. But does that mean you should give up and throw in the towel? Well, some people do, and some people run away from it. Uh, I, I think some people find it fascinating. I find it fascinating because I want to understand it and see if we can do anything to prevent it. And I think that requires education, knowing about the business cycle, and knowing how, how governments operate, and how, how you have to contend with government regulations and taxation, and also influence, you know, the taking over of government. Our judicial system has been, been take, taken over, uh, you know, uh, by, uh, by, by the, the individuals who want big government. So we're, we're at very dangerous times. But we're limping along. There's still wealth left that they can steal. But it's so unstable. You know, and even during the, the very good years with the Bretton Woods, it was all on borrowed money. So we have an opulence that has been built on debt. And the markets are usually correct long term. And that's why the gold standard broke down the bankruptcy. They couldn't lie about it forever. So that's why I think people have to anticipate that tough times are ahead. But it doesn't mean there aren't answers. There are answers out there. And it has to do with a better understanding of monetary policy and a better understanding of economic policies and principles of personal liberties and individual rights. Sarkhan. Yes, sir, Dr. Paul. Our next question comes from Ash Ketchup, and he asks, uh, how exactly does the Federal Reserve Bank work? How does it work, Dr. Paul? Well, it's real easy to understand. They work secretly. <laughs> and that's why I want an audit to find out exactly what they're up to. But they get a little hysterical if they think they're getting anywhere close to exposure. It, over the years of uh, trying to get legislation passed and more concentration on the Fed, I, I, would, uh, I would say that uh, uh, the biggest thing that they want to protect is, uh, uh, you know, international transactions. Because, you know, when the banking crisis hits around the world, it isn't going to be in one state or one city anymore. It's big, and the big banks are involved, governments are involved, and whether it's uh, the conditions like the financial conditions that have come up periodically for decades, just in recently, obviously, with the, the COVID crisis, they, they're able to deal in, to, in terms of 
trillions of dollars, you know, propping up banks here and making sure every account gets bailed out. And, and they, they do that. But that type of appropriation and expenditure, it doesn't go through the Congress. Matter of fact, Congress is not allowed to know exactly what they're doing. And that's why they're so hysterically opposed, you know, to the audit of the Fed. And, uh, but the Fed essentially takes government debt. Let's say the welfare warfare state says, spend money, scare the people. If you don't do it, you're going to be all killed by COVID and people are going to starve to death. There'll be no education or uh, we'll be invaded next week, uh, you know, by the Russians and the Chinese and all this stuff. Scare them to death so that if you don't go along with it, you're not a patriotic American. So they play the card of patriotism. And the American people, unfortunately, on the short run, always endorse it because they're scared. And who wants to be unpatriotic? And they continue to do this. And that, that is the problem. So what happens when the government creates all this and they run up debt? They don't even, they don't even bother. They talk about a budget, but they can get around the budget, believe me. Even if they have it on paper, they can have an emergency, which they have all the time. They can have an emergency economic crisis like COVID, or they can have a war and think, oh my goodness, Russia has invaded Ukraine, even though that's all a concocted story over there. Uh, it should be more thought about is NATO went in uh, to uh, pester the Russians by uh, dictating and running the military of Ukraine. So the justification is made there. The people get excited. They do wake up. But what happens? What does the Fed do when they're more on board? The Fed issues treasury bills and the treasury bills can be put on the market. Some people buy them for protection and banks use them all the time, uh, you know, for parking their capital. And uh, then there's still not enough. Well, you have to you have to raise taxes then, and there's a limit to that. People get mad if they if they keep paying more and more taxes, and eventually they know it'll destroy everything if we keep raising the taxes. Ah, uh, we have a neat little trick. It's called inflate the mar money supply, print the money, and that's why you don't want the, the the people who are in charge. They have to have money fiat so that they have total license and secrecy to do what they want. And uh, they always argue that, uh, you know, it isn't so much that we want uh, secrecy. We don't want any interference. We don't want somebody else dictating to us. We can't have a messy uh, situation where the Congress would get involved in monetary policy. And all this is concocted and the fears are built up and then the Fed comes to the rescue, but there's also limits on that because the big limitations on that system is that uh, eventually the, the magic of the reserve currency it disappears and it is in the process of disappearing. That's why you hear so many proposals. Who's gonna take the place of the dollar? You know, we have to have another currency and what kind, what will it be like? Will it be another fiat currency or will it be somebody that will include gold into it? So uh, there's a lot of people in the world that are really angry with the United States because we throw our weight around. We get involved in the coups of the world and we have our CIA doing things. We have, have uh, 
special forces around the world and we've been involved in that. but so we have a lot of enemies and when they see us weakening uh they want to gang up on us so that's why i think structurally things are much worse than the problems we had with uh world wars and depression of the past and that is the reason that people do seek advice and ways of put getting together and trying to protect themselves uh, from a disaster that seems to be unstoppable Sarkhan. Yes, sir, Dr. Paul, this next question is my personal favorite, and it comes from Mike Decentralized. What is the best ways, uh, what is the best way for those who value individual liberty to push back against the increasingly overt dystopia? Well, that's, that's not easy because <clears throat> everybody has to do it any way they can think of. But to me, the most important thing is understanding the economic fundamentals that bring us to this uh, situation and why the people go along with it. Well, I mentioned it already. One thing is, is they make it so that if you don't go along with it, you're not patriotic. If you don't go to all these wars, you're unpatriotic. You know, even the Middle Eastern wars that uh, under Bush uh, that I strongly opposed, uh, that, that, that even convinced a lot of Americans that they were good. And yet we were there in Iraq for 20 years and we're still there and we're still, you know, in many ways in Afghanistan and that was 20 years and the death and destruction that has gone on. So people have to understand that. They have to understand our foreign policy of interventionism, economic policy, monetary policy. That means education and you're not going to get it in a government school. Maybe there's a rare government school out there and a rare professor that might teach the truth about economics. But basically, there's not a whole lot of optimism that the government schools would ever teach young people why the government's messing things up. They're, they're not going to do it. They do everything to do the opposite, to, to, to put pressure on people to accepting things. So if you, have, if you have people doing things in the government that we don't like, uh, but they can't report it because they get into trouble. Uh, government, uh, Congress, in their wisdom, said, well, "Well, we'll pass a law to protect whistleblowers." Well, it doesn't work. The whistleblowers get punished, and then sometimes they have to leave the country because they don't fair, believe they can get a fair trial. So that that is that is a problem. But understanding that is so important, and uh, the, then. People can do things on a personal level, and everybody can do it in a different way. I think person, personal associations are very important, like-minded people getting together. And I think you saw an explosion of that when the people started getting very disgusted with the lockdown. Parents started saying, hey, this isn't good for my kids. And all of a sudden, they started coming out, and they are coming out, even though the, the woke move, movement has not diminished. It's still there. They're determined, and they use more force and intimidation, more uh, removal of our rights, and <clears throat> even to the point where hardly anybody in America now believes the Department of Justice really gives us justice. It's, uh, it's seen in the political sense. You know, you have two factions that choose to believe one group versus the other. Uh, there's so little respect for the Constitution. You know, over the years, there was a lot more respect. Even the schools did a better job. But now, now there's no respect for all. So my goal would be to get people to understand that and then do something. 
you know, and, they, <clears throat> and what they can do is opt out. And that is exactly what a lot have done over COVID. You know, they started resisting and peaceful resistance is the answer for libertarians and to, to, to avoid the violence. But the other side depends 100% on the violent movement, power of government, in, you know, imprisonment and punishment and all these things. <clears throat> but we have to realize that ideas are more powerful than weaponry. And uh, unfortunately, there's a long struggle to overcome that. So dealing in ideas, because ideals have an, have an appeal, I'm convinced in the long term, the ideas of liberty, peace and prosperity, that follow along in advancing those causes that we were given with the, with the uh, revolution will prevail. <clears throat> But predicting that next month it's going to happen or next year is a different story. We're going to have to go through a, a, a ringing out, which we're hitting to, and we keep propping it up. But eventually we will have to, you know, reinstitute a system. But the other... <clears throat> The opposition knows this, and that's why they, the Marxists are very much involved in destroying culture because they believe that it can be replaced, you know, by government only by first destroying anything left of the republic. So it's a big challenge, but I would say it is not the, the end. I mean, if the right ideas are put out there and convince the people that the changes can happen and we can move and much direct, uh, much better direction towards peace and prosperity than this forever warmongering that we have. Sarkhan. Yes, sir, Dr. Paul, well said. Our uh, last question is a bit tangled, but I'm gonna try to do my best with it. It comes from uh, Bitcoin Bombadil. <laughs> uh, why don't more religions understand hard sound commodity money such as gold or Bitcoin? What do you think, Dr. Paul? Well, I think it's an important question, but I don't want to get into the details and make statements uh, sort of in a theological sense. But in general, I can refer to this because I think it's important because throughout all of history, thousands of years, a, some type of a theology always existed and in a positive way. Uh, so out of this, even pr prior to knowledge about the Ten Commandments back when they, when the Sumerians had, had a code as well as Hammurabi had codes, they were based on something that was subtle, but it was shared by all the great religions. And that is the understanding that there is a higher law, there is a natural law. People can know right and wrong, good and evil. But we're contending with a group of people who are nihilistic. They, they philosophically, Nietzsche and others have fundamentally said there is no objective evidence for truth. Truth is unachievable and not understandable. That's their truth, but <laughs> which is a farce. So no, but but the philosophy is you don't know truth, so there's a vacuum. Vacuum. There can be no spiritual truth in the various religions because uh, the nihilists say there is no such thing. I think the nihilists are very, very prevalent in government, especially those who promote lies and wars and all these things. They feel no guilt. They have, they have no remorse about it. They, uh, they have no shame because 
They have been conditioned in a psychological way. Well, nobody knows that. So whoever d does it, yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be good. We'll be good dictators. So they don't believe in in truth whatsoever. I think that is so important that. Uh, that we recognize this, and it's been around for a long, long time, but I would say that that higher law understanding, the right and wrong that has been taught in so many religions, I think in the last hundred years, it's been usurped by the progressives who have become anti-religious. Today, more and more complaints of people saying, you know, the, the, the movement right now is very often construed as being anti-Christian. But I think it's anti-spiritual of those who would say that there is a right and wrong and uh, they don't want to hear, hear from it. But I, I'm always amazed at all the evil that is done. And people who are very, very pro-war and they talk them themselves into them to think that they're holier than thou because they're having a war to save love and peace. And it's always to save something. And that's propaganda. Just we have to get people to look at the history. And that that to me is the uh, is the biggest problem. But we shouldn't uh, say that all religions are bad because sometimes religions go off on a tangent and they certainly have over the centuries. But most religions from ancient history all the way back to the Sumerian, they did have a notion. If you look at their codes, they recognize that lying was bad. Cheating was bad. Killing was bad. Well, you know, that sounds libertarian. You know, that means peaceful things. But they, they had strict rules against that. But that's a start. And it's been around for a long time. It wasn't invented any one particular year. But it still exists. And I think that war is coming to a climactic end. That is the people who reject a higher law and those who uh, latch themselves onto the justification of nihilism because you're wasting your time and wasting your energy and you're wasting your money if, if you think that you can reach something and meet something that is good and something that is bad and to be able to make a, a judgment of that. I think that is one of the basic flaws that we have today. But I think that there's still a lot of people becoming more aware of this than ever. And I think people are, you know, when uh, we get a little bit uh, uh, despondent about reporting all the dumb things that uh, our government and the world governments are doing, I always try to remind people, you know, it's not all bad. You know, uh, some some stupid thing that came on, what they're doing to the kids in this multi-genderism and surgeries on 11-year-old kids without parental permission. That is so astounding. But when that message gets out, I think it wakes up thousands of people and say, I didn't know that. I do that. That's atrocious. So I think, uh, you know, the bad stuff that we see out there, it's horrible and we should be outraged. But we have to be able to sort out the good from the bad. Uh, so that we know exactly how you can. If, I don't think anybody can, can has access to the perfect definition of right and wrong. But I think the, the movement, the, the general thing that you know it and you should strive for it. You know, Goethe, his, his whole life was spent on trying to get people to strive for the truth, emphasizing that striving for it. And my goal is, uh, is to think that uh, peace and prosperity is worth striving for. And uh, this, this is something that I believe is, is powerful. I, I, I'm convinced that the more people that know about it, the more they will join us. 
So the results of all this and, and the answers will come from individuals and not originate in the government. Matter of fact, the government right now as it is composed is, uh, is, is not helping us at all. In, in our country, unfortunately, I think we're on a downswing in other countries around the world that had been so abusive of rights seem to be coming around to thinking may, maybe all that authoritarianism wasn't so hot. So they're shifting gears. But it's ide ideological and uh, we have to remember uh, that uh, in, in a society, uh, truth is treasonous in an empire of lies. So you will hear a lot of lies because we have an empire. And when the conditions improve, we won't have our empire to worry about. And we will be blessed with a lot more liberty and a lot more prosperity. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.